All right, cool. So, so what I was going to say is, um, you know, what's crazy is that when, cause they're doing it to me as well, right? They're doing it to me right now as well. And they have been my entire career, which, you know, you, you know, my story, I haven't been a, you know, an employee too many times over, but every time they do that, they say, can you work in a team dynamic? Now, now they're asking me that question because they believe you've been an A player, the number one person running the company. You've never had to fall in line and be a part of a team and, and, and do that type of thing. But that's actually completely contradictory in an ignorant statement of them because you are clearly a part of a team because you built the team. You are invested in the team. You had people that retained and that wanted to, that wanted to stay on the mind stand team. That's like saying to a head coach in the NFL or, or, or football or soccer, whoever country, you know, demographic you're from, that's like saying, you know, to the head coach or, or, or coach on the team. Can you, can you be a part of a team? That is yes. <laughs> and, 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 and a lot of these recruiters or a lot of these like, hiring managers in these companies i just genuinely believe it's the most ignorant statement that you can ever ask someone because if you just sit back and have a cocktail yourself and we're like talk friend to friend you would probably admit someone that leads the team is clearly a part of the team like that is literally a it's common sense so i'm rambling now but what are your thoughts now because you get you get what i'm trying to say right absolutely and it's almost um, one of the conversations I had with another uh, organization was like, um, it was kind of more on, and I addressed it with them. It's like, are you going to leave in like four or five months and create something new? I, and they asked it in that sense, which I respected and like I understood. That's yeah. kind of the entrepreneurship question. And that's a real one to ask an entrepreneur, but um, to kind of see it as like a way to see if they work on a team, that's, that's not a, you know, that's never the, that's never the problem. Yeah. Um... The advice I would give you is probably something you're already doing, but um, the advice I would give you will be the following, right? I would probably, number one, hold on one second. If anyone listening, you hear this creak, it's my door opening. You know, I keep it super raw, no edits, none of that. You know, we're just going to keep going. Um, but uh, the number one advice that I'll probably give you, which I've tried to do myself is, um, prior to the call, you'll notice in the beginning of the interview, you'll notice like a 15 to 20 second gap after we all say, Hey, how you doing? You know, how's it going? How are your holidays or how's your week been going? Or how is it in Austin? How is it in Utah, wherever they live? Right. You know, there's like a 20 second period where like two human beings are like, okay, who's going to say something first. I've done this in interviews where I literally jumped in from the very beginning. And I've said, I know I'm an entrepreneur. No, this is weird, unconventional, me jumping like this, but I want to make it very clear to you. I am looking for full-time employment. I'm excited to be a part of a, a team and a company that I personally didn't build, and I'm looking to do that for the next three to five years. I'm only saying that because I know it's going to be a question you want to ask, and I want to tell you and show you how serious I'm taking this. And I've done that, and it's worked, actually. And people respect and appreciate that. You know, and what are your thoughts on that? I think that makes sense. Like. Um... Even for me, like I got advice about like, I'm not sure if you knew, but I wanted to create a podcast too. like um, really focused on kind of this almost open journal, open diary about like, here's what I've learned and more positioning it to either inform or educate people. And here's how you can 
one, understand entrepreneurship concepts really easily, and two, take these learnings and implement it into your business. Yeah. Um, so it's almost like to contrast that, the thing I heard was like, um, just because I'm in this transitionary state, moving from one company to employment, I might not want to ask people to drop on a podcast um, before I ask them for the job. And that was like, huh, not, wasn't sure what he meant by that. And I'm glad to like discuss it, not saying it to like, just saying that because I was like an advice I got from an entrepreneur and I'm like, uh, let me focus on some of the connections. And I noticed that when I talked to them, I said, let me talk for advice. Um, it was like a 30 minute call. Lord knows it could have been a podcast recording, but towards the end, I then asked them like, Hey, and I'm thinking of creating this podcast. I can hit you up in, can I message you? Can I hit you up in January and see if we can get on the show? And they're like, yeah, let's do it. Um, it's a weird job market where, you know, you know, there's this idea of like hiring freezes. Um, that's like pausing the real connection. So I can't be like, oh, well, that worked because I got the job. But um, yeah, it's just like a two ways, to, multiple ways to skin a cat. Yeah, I was going to say there's probably two different ways to look at that, right? Um, I can see value in waiting and asking for that. But I also see, you know this about myself, I also see tremendous amounts of value in having the having a podcast I, I is is something that I think can be a gold mine, right? I think because we're, we're living in a content world and we're living in a world also where people, whether they want to admit it or not, want to contribute to whatever they're focused on professionally, right? And so it could work where you wait, but it also could work in your favor where you could angle it like look would love to bring one to this podcast here's the concept and i'm really just looking to learn and nine times out of ten as you know this is part of the strategy that we were doing with mindset and some other things like nine times out of ten most human beings will say yes right it's a very flattering request that typically doesn't come across the desk very often um and it can be a request to have that 30 minute 40 minute 50 minute deep nuanced question and especially if there's someone that you may be able to work for or with you kind of get to flaunt and show off your chops in whatever it is you're talking about in a way that is different than more comfortable than an interview more comfortable than a normal traditional interview setting or or setting where you're trying to get a job or whatever the case is going to be so um it can go both ways to your point you know it can go both ways and it's like, like you said, you know, people are, you know, they're not walking the dog, but they're also not, like you said, in an interview, like set up in the office fully. So yeah, it's like, because at the end of the day, it's like you need to pass certain, um, certain lines to really get within organization. It's the stakeholder, it's the gatekeeper. If there's someone that could say, you know, this person's cool, like you said, this person knows what they're talking about. Yeah. I can see them in this role. Um, podcast could be a great way of like upskilling yourself as a candidate for a job. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah. I think the biggest evolution for me is just focused on what it's, what excited me from day one. Like, how can I help people? I've had so many conversations these past weeks um, where I've told people, you know, the biggest thing I want to do is to do right by my people. And I've said this to people who look like me, people who don't look like me. Uh, and then the question always becomes, who is your people? Michael, you say you want to do right by your people. 
kind of random that you brought that up 30 minutes into the call. But anyway, what does your people mean? And that's just anyone, you know, no matter your race, ethnicity, sexual orientation. If you wake up that morning, if you wake up this morning with a chip on your shoulder, if you wake up the next morning wanting to do better, wanting to better yourself, and you know there's a space that you can succeed in, but there are obstacles to get there, I'm going to do right by you. I'm going to be someone that helps you along your journey. Uh, and seeing the evolution of that has been so beautiful. You know, people that I thought only kind of saw Michael as a businessman or, or saw me as this budding, brilliant, bright entrepreneur sees me as a budding, brilliant young man. And so um, as DEI, which is something I love uh, and something I have some points we can talk through, whether it's kind of seeing nonprofits or just seeing, you know, company culture as people, you know, uh, I'm really excited to see that next evolution in my life and have some amazing people, family, friends who are, who are going to be there to support me through it. No, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, it's been it's been a long ride. Um, you know, I tell a lot of people about our relationship, the relationship I have with MindStand, um, the the ebbs and flows that I think the product and my relationship with MindStand had. And then honestly, the value you know, that it brought to even my career trajectory, you know, so I'm, I'm very appreciative as well. Um, so let's start this way. You know, I, I wanted to do this series because I feel like there's a couple core themes of 2022 that we all may have some thoughts around. And then there's a couple core themes of 2023 that will exist um, that I think this will be interesting to talk about. Um, and my goal really is just to reflect. My goal is to, to have conversation. My goal is to try to see what we can remember and learn and take away. And then my goal is to see how we're all going to be thinking about things differently in 2023. Um, and just try to put some ideas into the world. You know what I mean? You know, you know, you know my style. Like I'm all about putting ideas to the world, you know, seeing, seeing what, what ideas can be executed against, what can't. Um, and even what I found too, is like an idea can spark another idea, which can be iterated against. And then, you know, so even if someone doesn't take the exact concept or the exact idea that you or I put out to the world, there may be a piece or a sliver of that, that they can then break off and say, you know what, there's enough here that I can build on top of this idea and make it better, make it more practical and, and useful for myself and my personal situation, et cetera. So, um, I guess give everyone that's listening, let's do a, do a faster version than we typically will. Give us every, you know, give everyone a 30 second of who, who you are, um, what you're about, and then let's jump into just one reflective moment from 2022 to start it off. Thanks for having me. Great to meet you guys. Uh, thanks for listening in. My name is Michael Ogusanya. I'm an innovator, a founder, someone who cares about AI and how it's used ethically someone that cares about people and how we can contribute towards a larger vision. I'm a nonprofit board member. I'm an executive that sits on multiple councils focused on innovation. Um, Prince George's County native, uh, spent time in high school in DC, spent a lot of my professional career in Baltimore, originally Nigerian as well. So I'm really missing out on how December is going to Nigeria, just knowing that we got what it's like 34 degrees right now today, uh, two days after Christmas. Uh, overall, a guy who cares about doing right by my people and glad to be here. I appreciate that. That was actually 30 seconds. Some people like myself, I'll take three minutes to give a whole breakdown. Um, but no, I appreciate you being on here, man. Um, 
you know, I'm, hey, well, thank, thank, thank the Lord to the guys. For those that don't know, you know, MindStand was a, uh, a company that, you know, you, you were a leader of and that you, that you kind of put into the world. Um, for a hot minute there, MindStand had every single episode of this podcast uh, locked and loaded, but it was intentional, though. It wasn't like he, uh, you know, put a put a firearm against my head and decided to uh, take hostage of it. But um, but no, why I brought that up is because I'm very appreciative that with my association association with MindStand, some of the content that I think resonated with a lot of the audience and a lot of the beliefs that MindStand had. And then it's fun now to bring you back onto the podcast and then to, to talk about things from a different angle and to to share thoughts and concepts in a guest format. Because as you know, there's a lot of solo content there. There's a lot of guests there, but I'm, I'm, I'm excited to kind of get back into the swing of things. So I think if I were to do one reflective moment and then please give me yours as well, if you if you brought any ideas to the table, I think in 2022, I think one reflective moment that I would like to talk about would probably be something that's happening right now, actually. You know, something oops, something that's happening right now, meaning the hiring freezes, the uh, cash freezes, the, the reasons behind both, how I think leaders are thinking about um, this looming current pending recession. I was going to go to COVID, but I think that's been played out. And when I say played out, I, I don't mean that in any insensitive way. Um, I just mean, like, I just think there's so much conversation and content around that. But um, that's one reflective moment. So I'll pause there. Let me get your 90 seconds or two minutes on what's happening in your world and your mindset and your purview from the cash freeze, the hiring freezes. And then, uh, and then we'll just discuss it for a bit because there's probably a lot there. Oh, you there? Oh, you're waiting. It's all good. No worries. Um, people, you know, like you, you talked about it such, in such a, a key point. At the end of the day, it's people that matter the most. You know, we entered this year, 2022, understanding Clubhouse, uh, that you know, quirky uh, audio messaging tool that was at a billion dollar valuation. And we saw it completely go to zero almost because of the people that made Clubhouse what it was. We started this year seeing if the person that was in charge of this country, uh, the president, was going to really focus on the people that um, brought him into power. And, you know, and after the infrastructure bill, uh, after you've seen, um, you know, the flipping Senate, the midterm elections, where we're seeing how people towards the end of this year really dictate whether or not society will progress as a whole. I mean, when you think about as well, like Twitter, the way that all of us, many of us communicate, share content and read information, it was what the thing that we're starting to understand that it is people, the trends, the topics, the shows, the, the ideas that we talk about can make these social gatherings. And so when you have people that really care about furthering access for the next person, you result in a community of society and products that really care about the next, what comes next within the year. So I feel like people is the biggest um, definition, the biggest change and variance in how we 
think about, or at least how we should think about the world, not just tech, not just um, concepts. And, and if I can, if I can share what MindStand was, the idea and the, the mission behind it was using technology to create more connected people, create more connected people environments, um, using AI, something that we've been almost talking about ad nauseum since OpenAI, um, to understand interpersonal conversations. You know, especially in a COVID format, how are you messaging people with a sense of inclusion? How are managers driving a sense of innovation within their employees? And so the thing that I always knew is that people were the, the consumers, the end users of our technology. And in 2021, we shifted to the DEI space. In 2022, we participated in world-renowned accelerators, winning pitch competitions, and really we're starting to break into, you know, one of the biggest organizations using technology to solve people problems. But now I'm ending this year knowing bar none, the thing you can't forget, the thing you can't overlook or think that will always come as long as you build something big or faster is people. Are you bringing the right people along along your journey? I appreciate that. And, and do you have any do you have any direct thoughts on because I know we kind of really didn't I, I kind of brought this up and then you kind of took us in a different direction, which is not bad, but do you have, as it connects to people, do you have any quick direct thoughts on the hiring freezes or the cash freezes? And then I want to yeah. kind of dive deep into what you were saying, but do you have any brief thoughts on that right now? Yeah, it's a factor of two different things. One is either preventative measures or two is reactive measures. Uh, a company like Microsoft, um, let me think. There's a number of you know Fortune 10 organizations, but let's say Microsoft, for example, they chose to do their hiring freeze in about July. And what that meant for thousands of organizations, thousands of employees who had offer letters, uh, had dates that they were gonna join the organization was that they had to wait. They had to move back um, their dates. They had to rethink about their living circumstances. And that was something that they thought they could do ahead of what changed within the market. You know, Now that we're in this recessive market, that'll continue for at least two to three more quarters. How can you leverage your personal capital to be within these cultures of innovation? So hiring freezes were things that were difficult decisions from CEOs, heads of, heads of leadership that wanted to kind of predict how their people would feel. Do we have to let go of 10,000 people like we saw AWS and Twitter do? Or can we slow down on bringing in more people into this organization for the goal of you know, weathering the storm, like you heard so many people think. Um, more reactive companies, people that thought, you know, just like crypto prices will rebound and be back again, had to let go, literally, you know, a, a country, uh, a, <laughs> a county's worth of people. Um, and it's not something to laugh about. These are people's livelihoods. Um, but to just see how companies that we thought were never gonna go away, that were titans of the industries, forget that people, you know, matter the most in their organization, lost thousands, tens of thousands of people. So um, based on what I'm hearing, again, me being uh, an economist, I really think that the market will rebound by the end of Q1. What that means for a lot of job seekers is invest your time now into a lot of upskilling, job training, and, you know, public speaking events. So that when that time comes, when job offers are starting to open up again, those um, application links that have been on froze for months now reopen, they'll know you're the right person to talk to and you'll have that connection to get to the next person. I've heard you know, from insiders, um, it's just not, it's not clear. So 
I'm glad I can tell you, like as someone who's understanding the market, that it's not clear. I hope you know that like you can look at other articles, other YouTube videos, and they're all just speculations um, because I've heard um, a CEO of a very large tech company is kind of just waiting for what their competition will do. And their competition is just waiting on uh, what the experts will say on the market. And the experts are just predicting what the data says about finance. So it's a it's an open space right now. So the best thing you can do is to just be your best self. Let, let me jump on that real quick. And let me say something that I don't think enough people have um, the confidence to say. You know, I'm usually excited about making big, bold statements here. Um, I'll, and I'll make this very clear. I'll try to slow my words down. I'll try to think very carefully as I, as I put this out into the world. I'm quite sure for the biggest companies in the world, there's been enough thoughtful dialogue and analyzing. But my gut tells me for the mid-sized companies down to the small businesses that up, you know, up or to the side, however you want to look at it, to the startups and the high growth companies and everything in between. My gut is telling me that this looming current pending recession, whatever you want to look at it like, my gut's telling me that there's not enough of those companies that are in between that are actually being negatively impacted by whatever you think this is and they're fear-mongering and they're being proactively proactively reactive if you want to look at it that way to start to do things you know again too proactively um being a bit too nervous being a bit too aggressive when you need to start being a little bit more strategic so let me unpack that for everyone when a recession hits there's a lot that happens but my gut is telling me again that there are too many companies that are actually not being impacted. When I say being impacted, meaning I don't know if their product is being bought less. I don't know if they are having it have it be so severe where the the goods physically or the products physically that they use are starting to become so expensive based off of the recession that they're having to readjust pricing or not hire as many people or whatever the case is going to be. I just don't know if that is actually happening at scale. I don't know if that's happening enough contextual to the amount of freezes and layoffs that, I, that I've seen that I saw. I'll give you a perfect example. And Chris, I love you. Benny, I love you. Um, this is no negative ill will. This is a, just an objective statement. Um, Michael, I don't know if you knew this, but I think I told you. Uh, a few months after the mind stand days were complete, I joined at, at a VP level to do partnerships, business strategy, and a little bit of sales strategy and some content for a company called Benny. It was an employee benefits company. Um, they had a few million. They had a few million in runway, investment runway, meaning meaning the, 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 the cash was agreed and it would be allocated on a quarterly basis. That's another thing too. I have, oh, I keep getting all these alarms happening. I, I, have a, I have a friend actually that just had a conversation with me and, and he said, I'm having, I'm having a really bad day. I said, why are you having a bad day? He's like, the investors are giving us $5 million, but they just reached out to me and said, can we give it to you in six different payments? Can we, can we give it to you every other quarter? Can we give it to you 
a little bit now and a little bit in eight months and a little bit. So, so that was the same structure Benny had, right? So the money was allocated, but it was allocated in a chunk format, right? It was allocated every now and again, whether, I don't know all the details, right? I wasn't the CEO of the company, so I don't know how it was allocated. But essentially what happened is there was also a controlling power of that cash, a bylaw, a, a, a policy, something in writing that says, if there's a recession and or a global pandemic, once again, we have the right to freeze some of the cash. That's what it sounded like to me based off of the conversation that we had. And as I've done my research, I'm starting to hear more about this. So why am I bringing all this up? I'm bringing this up because the investors, and I know this personally because I was there at the company and Chris, again, I love you. The investors, from my opinion, never saw any legitimate data, Michael, that said companies were going to stop hiring enough. Companies were, were going to stop administering benefits enough to the point where they needed to freeze Benny. I did. There was not enough data, and there still isn't enough data yet to prove that and to show that. And so what the investors were doing is they were proactively being um, they were they were proactive. I'm trying to find the most respectful words to use here. They were proactively being um, cautious with their cash. They were hoarding it. And so when I was laid off, the exact words were like, "Hey, there's a possibility this could, you know, get going again. We have the product. We have the team. We're just freezing everything for 18 months. We're just freezing everything for six months. We're just freezing everything for 12 months." Which, again. Why I bring this all up and the advice that I want to give in my reflective moment on all this is if you don't have any real legitimate data, do not proactively get scared, in my personal opinion. The second thing that I would say is um, if you notice what a lot of companies did during the pandemic and COVID-19, perfect examples. There were some pizzeria that had the, the right type of oven that was able to make certain type of medical products or something about mm. the heat of the oven. And they were able to make the same type of medical products that another manufacturing plant or something was able to make. And so instead of shutting the business down and laying off all their employees, they said, look, guys, we're just not going to make pizzas for six months. We're going to start making whatever that medical thing was. And we're just going to start doing that. And we're going to be able to make revenue doing it that way. So I wish at Benny and I wish more companies listening Slow down for a second, right? Michael, you and I are startup guys. We know what it looks like to literally have no runway. Like you're down to the last two weeks of pay in the bank. None of the companies that I'm seeing out here were in that situation. There were either millions of the bank, millions agreed to be allocated against. Everyone pause for a second and look at the, look at the state of the world and say, okay, how can we shift our product? How can we shift our services? How can we shift our initiatives and our focus to be more thoughtful of the financial climate that may or may not be coming? And how can we be more thoughtful to use the talent that we have to go against this new strategy and to be executed against this new strategy and not lay them off because that's not a good human being thing to do. It's never fun to stop operations for six or seven months. And for those companies that aren't pausing overall, it's not fun to put your new initiatives or your new ideas on pause. Because that's what you have to do, Michael. And this is the last thing I'll say. Anytime you have to do a hiring freeze, any new innovations, new ideas, new things you wanted to do, all those things get put on halt, right? And, 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 so, and so why would you put those things on halt? Why would you pause innovations? Why would you pause new exciting product 
product features, why would you pause anything where you can just be a little bit more thoughtful, pause for a second, take a beat, right? Papa, and, and this is my podcast, so I'll say it, Michael, and if this incriminates you, it actually shouldn't incriminate you. I'll just say it. You know, actually, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm doing too much. I'm not going to do it. Take a sip of, take a, take a sip of wine. There you go. I was, I was going to say, I was going to say, uh, yeah. Medical marijuana. You gotta wait until uh, yeah, mid July. There you can say it. Yeah, I can say it in mid July. I was in July, but the point, and I'm hoping everyone got a laugh out of that. I, I, obviously, I'm not being serious, but the the point is, everyone take a beat, everyone relax, and be thoughtful and be strategic about what can you do to keep your people here. What can you do to keep your business thriving and growing even through this situation? And there are examples that we all can learn from of companies that did that during the pandemic. So we're all going to say right now, and I finally, this is the last thing. What are we all going to say right now? Are we going to say that this looming recession is more scary than a literal global pandemic where millions of people across the world passed away? Are we going to say it's more scary? I don't think so. I think we all need to take a second, be more strategic, keep the people that we have and do so in a way that still keeps the company profitable and revenue generating. We just got to make a few adjustments. So that's my rant on that and my reflection on that. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I feel like everything you said, you know, is reflective of why there needs to be more people leaders, why they're in, in positions of power, why there needs to be more people that care about people in these positions of power. Because once people become numbers, then numbers are easy to crunch. And people, like you said, are easy to crunch. Livelihoods, people who, I mean, uh, it's just, there's so much to it, you know, like, um, and, and we talked about this, you know, uh, so often, especially towards the mid of this year. And I know uh, there's a lot of content around this, this idea of a culture ad. You know, I said this before, imagine you tell Bill Gates 20 years ago that the person that would lead Microsoft to its highest revenue point was a, an Indian born man that had a British education. Who would have thought that? What number could have pointed to that? Um, but he's a real person who galvanizes people within a multi-billion dollar, if not trillion dollar organization. So it's everything that you're saying about people who are just, um, especially these company leaders who are kind of seeing data using FOMA as a way to close off or, or shut down on the livelihoods, the chances for people to make a real dent in opportunity especially when, you know, the HubSpot is getting full, the funnels are progressing, you know, we can show you the KPIs that are showing this business is moving towards a place of, of revenue, a place of growth. But when um, fear can dictate things like this, you know, that's when you need to take a step away and see how do I feel, uh, get that, uh, you know, take out that vacation, uh, and really see if this is the space that, you know, you want to go down? Do you really want to let go of these many people? Uh, honestly, a lot of companies, and ugh, you're hearing some horror stories. I'm sure the guests here can hear about them. I'll tell you, uh, AJ, I was at a pretty big uh, event, Afrotech, um, a few months ago, and there was a huge hiring presence. Um, towards the end of the event, I saw a tweet, and it said, uh, I feel so sorry for the recruiters, because this was um, in Austin, Texas, the entire Expo Convention Center. There's about at least 400 recruiters from corporate companies that were there. There's a tweet that came out that said, I feel so sorry for some of the recruiters who found out on the flight back home that they lost their job as a talent acquisition specialist. Can you imagine? Say that one more time. So I, had, I, had, I was on mute. Say that again. 
Mm -hmm. So Afrotech, a huge convention, about 16,000 people who attended. They had a huge expo center focused on um, careers. So there was a huge hiring expo. Um, apparently, a portion of the recruiters, of the corporate recruiters that were flown to be at Afrotech, found out on the flight home from the event that they were part of the layoffs oh, wow. within the corporation. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So, we can't it can't get any deeper than that you know oh, wow. people flying you know this isn't this isn't pto you're not flying back uh during the nine to five you're doing so much you know to be a part of the organization and you know they they kind of they do things like that so you know it's a really deep and it's an emotional topic when you talk about this especially during the holiday season but it needs to be talked about because if it doesn't it gets swept under the rug and something like this happens again uh, uh, one of the big pivots we had to talk about, had a difficult conversation with um, while building our company, you know, something I'm not, I might not have told you because they never got past a certain point, but we saw that, and this is real, we saw that um, in around June, um, if not May, that this concept of layoffs were so top of mind to our, our C-suite, the people that we were selling our product to, like, it was almost as if that was the only thing they wanted to talk about during these 40-minute demos. So we said, you know, we're building a, a product for inclusion. We're building a product to make people feel more connected. Um, this concept of layoffs is becoming almost inevitable. Can we reposition our, our product to hopefully educate people, you know, especially these stakeholders about what layoffs are, what it does to the culture of an organization? Um, if you are to do this, here's how it'll be impacted in your culture, which defines how you grow as a business. So, um, it caused a need for a pivot. Uh, I'd love to talk about a bit about that idea that you brought up back to that idea of proactive or reactive. Yeah. Um, during the pandemic, uh, some of these companies who are doing this reactively, something I didn't talk about, during the pandemic, they went off. I'm sure we all saw this with, with hiring. They hired so many people. Um, they, you had to have a certain fit, whether it is you had a uh, personal projects and you took a coding class or you graduated from a university, you know, the rate of you getting into some of these big organizations was so high. So, you know, we're talking about um, engineers who uh, not to this day, some of their code hasn't actually contributed to the company. They've made 200 to $300,000 annually a year as a uh, engineer, whether that's, you know, one, two or three position. So some companies, I'm saying this to say, almost from a lethargy standpoint, they said, let me guarantee some people to be able to make a salary and be a part of my organization um, just because we can. You know, let's worry less about what they actually do in the company. Let's worry a little less about um, if they feel valued or if their work is something that they people can talk about and see. Let's more focus on bringing people in and having a headcount. You know, that idea of um, tech stacking or, or job stacking. Have you heard of that? Or I'm sure you've talked about that, uh, that concept, AJ? Yeah, but I do. Yeah, so... You know, again, in the that job stacking, you know, there's all these jokes that's like, um, uh, it's almost jokes about, so there's these jokes about like something small, something that's completely irrelevant causing these huge issues. Yep. Was job stacking, the reason why, you know, layoffs happened, people who are, you know, having four or five jobs using like fake um, fingers to show like they're working in the office making half a million dollars. Are they the reason why we're approaching a recessive market? But no, it's really it's so not. reactive. <laughs> you know, these reactive companies that just hired, 
you know, we're very proactive in hiring people, hiring talent. And now once the slightest um, inkling of runway comes up, the slightest inkling of, of revenue changes come up, they're like, okay, and you saw Mark Zuckerberg do this, let's create, we saw Elon Musk do this, you know, let's create this, um, you know, this council that determines whether or not we're going to fire X thousands of people, because yeah. we can, and, you know, that's the way to, you know, um, burn, literally, you know, the idea of burning money to keep your family warm kind of situation. Um, yeah. yeah, and then proactive is, I have a whole concept about that. I don't want to get too deep in, I'll just say, like, I had a friend who's an economist at NYU, uh, and she said, and she was doing a paper about how this idea of um, um, astronomical um, apartment and housing prices, um, relating that to overpopulation isn't even a real thing. I'll re repeat that, um, just break it down. The idea that because you live in Manhattan and there's a million people within you know, your city, uh, that you need to pay $4,000 for rent actually isn't a real thing. It's just a marketing thing that companies know that they can do just to make more money. So saying that to say like um, the recession, it ha we don't know the extent of how much it's impacting organizations bottom line, but again, they know they can uh, lay off people and still keep certain members within the team. So they will is the question we have to ask because we don't know all the facts yet. Like you said, we don't know the data. Exactly. And, and here's one thing that, that, that came in my mind as you were talking that I don't think enough companies are thinking about, again, from more, more of a tactical perspective. Um, let's, and this really applies to pretty much any size company, but let's go to like the mid-level to the large companies that are doing it. Um, a couple of things that I'm sure companies either thought about and immediately said, no, that's not possible or didn't think about. Why don't you raise the product why don't you raise the price of your product or raise the price of your service for a bit? Now, a lot of companies will say you're out of your mind. Like we're a customer first base uh, company. Uh, our customers would not appreciate that. The data says this, the data says that. Well, well, where's the data that unpacks the, the, the negative and the downside of layoffs? Where's the data that talks about that? And let's do a compare and contrast of what data is going to be you know, bad or good or, or, or vice versa. And that, and that can be, that's all subjective the way you look at it. But, but here's a, what, what, what I will tell you about the product cost increase, right? If, if you increase, and I know Netflix is overdue. I'm trying to get another example. Um, I don't know. Like, let's just, let's just do, yeah, let's do HBO Max. You say HBO Max? Yeah. Let's mm -hmm. say HBO Max goes from 10 bucks to 14 bucks. I don't know what that for, I don't know what that $4 how that goes across the board, but I'm quite sure any of the executives that would say, we don't want to disgruntle or ruffle the feathers of the customers. There's a thing called product and brand loyalty. You're going to have a certain piece of your, um, there's going to be a certain piece of the market, a certain percentage of your customers, no matter if you go from 10 to 14, from 14 to 27, from 27 to 35, that are objectively always going to buy your product and continually pay that monthly, that monthly fee. And I'm quite sure if we really were to dive into the numbers, that monthly fee can put the company at a situation where maybe you're not able to have as much profits, but you're able to maintain the staff that you have, maintain the morale, maintain the innovation, and maybe the people that you decided to keep because you did that product increase, maybe those people are the ones that come up with your next product innovation that allows you to make two, three, four X 
which you even thought you could make in a 2024, 2025 world because you kept them in 2023. So maybe in 2023, your profits weren't killing it, but you kept Michael on the team. You kept Anthony on the team. You kept Sarah on the team. You kept all these people on the team. And maybe those people are the ones that are coming up with these new ideas, these impactful ideas that can actually radically change what your 2024 looks like. The, the last point, that, yeah, like the last, no, yeah, we just, go ahead, please. No, that's just, a, I love that concept like so much, especially, yeah, that, that's, that's a fire idea. Basically, that's if I increase the prices, will I get data either in people, um, you know, unsubscribing and leaving a reason or people paying more and saying, because I'm paying more, I better have this feature. And if that feature can actually grow your business 10 years down the line or 10x your business over the next 18 months, that's, uh, yeah, lightning in a bottle. Some people got to be more creative. And here's another idea that no one's going to like because all the, let's call it, let's call it director level and above in a 2023 world are getting paid uh, six figures, right? You know, your director level and above, you're probably based, you're probably low, worst case scenario, 85 Gs. Uh, most scenarios, you're about, you're about 100. Best case scenario, you're at 150. And then as you get to VPs and C-suite for the biggest companies in the world, you're looking at, let's say you have 15, 20 VPs and a company that has two, 3,000 people. Those VPs are all with bonuses included at the end of the year. They're all, they're all approaching a quarter of a million dollars. Let's just call it what it is, right? Um, so here's a big, bold idea that I brought up when I was ahead of people at a company years ago um, that was not taken kindly by the CEOs and the C-suites there, but uh, I meant it, and I mean it now. If you're a company that's considering doing a layoff, Let's figure out how many people you want to lay off. Let's say those people are a thousand people you want to lay off. Okay, cool. Go to each and every C-suite person, including the CEO, and let's do a financial cut on what they get paid. And now I do know a few companies that did this during the pandemic. A lot of this is, a lot of what I'm saying right now, to summarize it and then get detailed into that tip I was going to give, a lot of this is learning from COVID. Again, and I'll say this again, stop and I'm starting to get revved up here. We got to stop acting like we, what's going to happen is so different or so much more scary than COVID. Like we got, COVID not only had the financial hit back, it had the literal health impact. So not only were you going to have your business get effed a little bit. Yes, I uh, didn't curse. Thank you uh, to the world because I usually do. Got to work on that. Not only did your business model get screwed, Literally, your mom or your uncle or your aunt or your wife might have passed away quite literally, Michael. So not only are you looking at a business model where, let's say there's a 10,000 10, employee company during COVID, I guarantee you they had people in that company that passed away. On top of that, you had to deal with that morale hit. On top of it, you had to lay people off. On top of that, your business model looked completely crazy for six, seven, eight, nine months. We're just talking about a recession here. Right. So to get back to the tactical tip, what what really can happen is each and every VP all the way up to C-suite, your highest level employees, take a cut. Take it, but nobody wants to do that, Michael. That 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 can't be the answer. That 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 there's too much ego in the room. There's too much, there's too much, um, there's too much testosterone in the room. There's too much I worked hard for to get to this position. There's too much of that in the room. But let's take a cut. 
Let's take a cut. Let's take one step back. You make a quarter of a million. Let's give you 195. You make half a million. Let's give you 350. I don't know. Let's, let's, let's see how many shekels that we can hoard and collect. And let's look at those 1,000 people we said we were going to lay off. Let's see how many we can save. Is it 200? Is it 300? How can, how can it increase the runway? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, the best companies are led by people who have an entrepreneurial mindset people who care about like innovating, you know, what they do, how things work and, and care about customers, you know, and that's something you have to like really bring up. Like, do you want to work here? Is this, is this a brand? Is this an image? Have we changed in a way where, you know, this pay cut or this change that's going directly towards benefiting the nature of the company is an issue, is a deal breaker. How can we work towards that? But let's at least have this conversation. And it starts at the top. I mean, we all saw the article about the CEO who took that pay cut, you know, made almost nothing uh, in order to ensure that everyone can get paid above a certain amount. Uh, Deion Sanders at Jackson State University, you know, as head of that football program, he is the CEO. He is the CEO of football at Jackson State University. And he gave out, what, 70% of his salary um, over four years to ensure that his kids, that he calls them, the students there can thrive, you know, like, and this brings up another insight, um, Google specifically Google Cloud is making about, um, so Google has, Alphabet, the company has so many different tools. You know, they have Google Home, YouTube, Search Engine, um, and then they have Cloud as well. I know I'm missing some, but Google Cloud is just a, a web hosting service. That made about like 5% of their revenue um, since pre-pandemic. Um, as of today, with the pandemic, it's shooting up to like 20, 22, 23% of all the revenue that alphabet that Google is making in a year is coming from this small tool that they thought they can be competitive in a market. That's another example of the COVID brought out not only just these losses, but these wins and how you have to pivot your business model. And now they're hiring like heck. Imagine if instead of an uh, in, in alphabet situation, this is just a case study. Um, imagine if instead of just firing everyone at YouTube, and putting all the resources towards Google Cloud, you can talk to those executives at YouTube and talk through how a pay cut might be able to help fund them staying in that job position and continuing the growth of the company. I promise you within two weeks, they're coming up with so many ideas about how to integrate Google Cloud within YouTube. They're becoming the experts because once you create at least that level of competition, that level of uncomfort and friction, I think that's something that you talked about, like. And as a, um, a professor told me this, even when I was like 18, 19, friction is good within an organization. When you're able to talk about things that comes from a place of passion that one person may not agree with or may not see, and it ultimately results in a firm decision, you are creating a better business. You know, businesses are created for people, not one singular person, but people as a whole. So again, just that idea about COVID has introduced so many new concepts and grown businesses. If that was, if that idea that you mentioned was introduced even to like a subset of people, you know, that would further innovation. So imagine that person, again, you're saying, I don't want to uh, tell that VP that's making $300,000 if they'd be open or at least have a conversation about moving that down to 270 or 250. And if they, you did that and they said, yes, I'll go to 270, 250, you have to deal with the idea or the ego of being a bad guy for two months. And now they introduce over $4 million worth of product innovation because boy, oh boy, did they want that additional $40,000, $50,000. Now 
you know, who, who's the loser in that situation? Who's the winner in that situation? Your company wins when you're able to be brave and make decisions that could benefit the company at long term. And if there are people who, again, you know, we, like you said, COVID has created stress towards people. And that's something to recognize. By no means are we saying forget that we're talking to people, but introduce a concept about how you can create not only brand loyalty externally, but internally within the organization. No, that was that was well said. And I think the last thing we'll say, and then we'll move on to some other ideas uh, and reflect. Um, just like we learned, just like we said about the companies during the pandemic, we said the companies that treated their employees thoughtfully throughout the pandemic were going to be the companies that were going to succeed for the next 10, 15 years because of brand loyalty, employer branding, um, word of mouth, like, like the companies that really treated their employees well during the pandemic are the companies are going to, that are going to thrive. Um, I believe the same thing now. The companies that take a beat and pause for a minute and start to think about the last four or five ideas we just talked about and really analyze them. And I'm not saying that every single big company or every single mid-sized company has not sat down. There's tons of people there that I'm sure are light years smarter than you and I, right? That have been doing it for years. But I, 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 there is a gut feeling. I have talked to certain people, so I do have a bit of data that I do know that have not had those conversations, that have not discussed these topics, that have not discussed these categories. I do know that to be true, Michael. And the, and the final piece that I'll say, and then, and then please, if you have, enough, you know, I, I know I asked you to bring a few, a few thoughts today, if you have any reflective thoughts. But the last thing that I'll say that I don't think a lot of people think about in the world of business, a lot of people are naturally lazy when it comes to things that may hurt someone's feelings, things that might make them personally get a little uncomfortable things that have to, things that are new and surprising and take a lot of brain work, people get really lazy around. And let me explain. I used to, I used to share, and I still do. I used to share this tip all the time, right? I used to always say that a head of marketing, a head of DE&I, a head of product, you know, uh, a CEO, a CMO, no high level, you know, director, VP, C-suite, we, we don't have the luxury of getting lazy and getting tired and getting basic with the work that we do. And what I mean by that is we can't live off of the best practices that we utilized in 2013 and 2023. If you look at the greatest HR leaders in the world, the greatest marketing leaders in the world, the greatest product leaders in the world, they are constantly growing and developing their skill set. They're constantly growing and developing their their, their tool set, their palette, right? Those low performers or mid-level performers are ones that do not increase their skill set. They use old and spoiled best practices, old and spoiled efforts and resources to get things done and to solve problems. And so I bring that up to say the following. What we're talking about is going to take a lot of brain work. What we're talking about is going to take a lot of innovation. What we're talking about is going to take a lot of energy. Um, but the highest performing leaders in a company that are up for the challenge of using their brain, <laughs> thinking about the innovation that can be brought to the company, whether that's increasing the product, whether that's increasing the service calls, whether that's figuring out ways to take a sales team that you no longer can give a base salary to and say, look, 
go find another job. But while you do, we still are going to keep you on the roster of this company here and give you access to communicate the product, sell the product, and we'll over-index on a larger compensation model, right? Maybe you have to lay off your sales team. Don't lay them off. Just say to them, hey, maybe you do have to go find another job. But in the meantime, in the meantime, we just can't pay your salary. But if you want to go on straight commission, you are more than welcome. I don't even know companies that are doing that, Michael. Because technically, if you lay that person off completely, they can't sell your product any longer. They can't sell your service any longer. Not legally. There's no comp plan involved. There's no contract involved. So that's another idea, too. That's like the sixth idea we've come up with. Maybe don't lay everyone off. Maybe put them on some sort of a plan that says, you know what? Go ahead, Michael. Go find another idea. Go find another job if you really need to. I get it. You got a family. But it's probably going to take you four or five months. So in the meantime, stick around. Bring some ideas to us. Try to sell some stuff. Try to bring some new ideas. And if something lands and if something works, we'll pay you for it. And we have the money to pay you for it because there's something coming in. There's new ideas coming in. There's new sales coming in. Whatever the case is going to be. So, um, Let's move on, but the, the name of the game, and give me your final thoughts if you have any as well. Don't be lazy as it pertains to this, this time and this work. Um, and be thoughtful in how you exit people. So that's all I gotta say. Yeah, I think that's like, if you're gonna take, like you said, if there's one thing to take away from this episode is that don't be lazy. Don't look outside and see that it's snowing or uh, check LinkedIn and notice no one's posting that much and say that, well, I guess I just got to chill then, or maybe it's time to take up a hobby that's not going to lead towards your professional excellence. Um, we could talk, I'd love to do another episode about like, um, we can title it like your brain is a computer, because I'd love to just talk about how AI is changing the world. Um, another topic, um, basically, I'll, I'll just say high level, because this introduction of AI is coming up, that's not to say that, um, because AI is being introduced into the workplace, um, people who have a level of expertise and people who can communicate ideas really well are going to be in such high demand. So don't look at AI and say, well, I'm going to lose my job, so it's over. Say AI is coming, so I need to be the person to train it. I need to be the person that's so invaluable that they can build AI around what I do, but they can't replace me with that work. Um, Again, topic for another conversation. I already got too far into it. Um, you know, I'm reading a book called Blink by Malcolm Gladwell, and it talks about this idea about how the brain loves to automate things. The brain loves to be like a computer, um, where um, if you're working at a job for X amount of time, for X months or years, um, you want to use your brain to focus on, quote unquote, the important things. So for a lot of the organizations, like you mentioned, uh, they don't want to talk about, um, you know, um, hiring or talent changes. They don't want to talk about um, salary and, and commission opportunities because their brain's been so wired to only think very one-dimensional, how to innovate on a sales call, how to uh, innovate in a board meeting. So when you have people which by human nature, um, because we have so many tasks and things to do in a day, our brain likes to reserve our energy to focus on the things we think or we value as the most important. So these businesses, these, um, like you said, CEOs and C-leaders who are like, we don't, we shouldn't think about these things. We should focus on the things that are most important. 
it's almost as if they're forgetting the fact that you know you need to drill a hole to get water but they're more focused about how to make the water taste the best think about the process think about the people and you're going to inevitably create a product and a company that's going to be better than the rest so um, that's the my contributions towards what you're saying and to be better than the rest you just have to you have to think about improving yourself you know you exactly. can't just automate you can't put your brain on standby mode no um what, what were some other reflections of uh 2022 as i have you here for 15 more minutes what were what were some other things that happened in 2022 that you want to think about or talk about man i built a company you know alongside amazing co-founders alongside amazing advisors and investors 2022 was a year of growth uh, i underwent the hardest program i've ever done in my life and i've done scholars programs a scholars boot camp for six weeks um i've done so many difficult things um but going through a three-month accelerator uh, like what i experienced um that started in around december of 2021 uh, but culminated in march while building a company, while pivoting into a new space, while figuring out what technologies to use, while dealing with, and this isn't even like a hyperbole, I tore my Achilles um, around oh, yeah, this time last that. year. Oh yeah. So um, I had to be so tactful. I had to be so focused on what it means to grow. Oh, not need I mind you, I was taking like a, a winter class from like January 1st to January 28th. Um, so, um, I understood and the thing I could reflect on is like what it takes to build a company, you know, and, you know, we were in the culture space, um, but that word sometimes gets thrown around too often. Like, I'm so glad they replaced HR and then the process of changing HR into people operations, because the word people is so important when building a business, you know, you're building a business um, to solve, you can build a product, you can build a service, and that's very focused on the customer. You can build a product or a service by yourself. All you need is yourself and enough customers to figure out what, what you need and how to solve their needs. When you build a business, you're building people around a central vision, around a central mission, because the product will change. The customer will change. The market will change. Your bank account will definitely change. <laughs> but the people, um, their ability to stay motivated, their desire to work there, their their um you know, what they care about, that can't change. So you need to do as much as possible as a leader when building an organization. And I'm looking to 2023, hopefully to build up another organization. I mean, that's focused on the people. That's something I'll never, never um, overlook or never think that it'll just come together. Um, and that's just a process of communication. So I think that's the second thing too, how you can communicate. Man, I wish, and again, I'm mentoring companies, um, consistently. Please, if you enjoy what you're hearing, don't think I'm too, my ego's too big to not have a conversation or to meet up in person with you. Um, it's okay to be tacky in your communication. It's okay to be uh, almost like eye roll if you have to create that big vision board for everyone to see. Um, over communication will lead towards good products and good people, bar none, bar none. Poor communication can ruin everything. So when I reflect on the year, I think about, again, culture and people. Um, communication is just such a, a key perspective of, that's kind of like the blood flow. Like culture and people is the body, communication is the blood flow. You have to keep doing it. It has to stay consistent and, and of high quality. And then product. 
you know, what that means to really build a product, you know, what that revolves around so much of managing people, like I said, you know, uh, understanding, you know, you might get a hundred of reviews on a certain product, but how many of those people um, live, breathe, and eat that product? Um, those are the perspectives that you really want to take into account. Um, and this is this is one of the, the valuable parts about us like talking, um, AJ. It's like we can have these sessions where we're just educating people, just like schooling people on like concepts of good leadership. And then we'll reflect on things. And the same things that we're schooling people on or telling people is important are the same things that we're reflecting on. And like we're still saying this is going to help build us. So you're not getting the you know, I love ESPN, but you're not getting the uh, Kendrick Perkins, the Stephen A. Smith that's, you know, talking so that, you know, you hear something exciting. We're talking about things that will actually benefit you. So um, as I just look back on a year that has been filled with so many success and so many lessons, you know, I know what it means to build a company. That's something that can't be taken away from me. Um, I want to learn how to scale a company. When you think about, like you said, Series A, one, two, three million dollar checks and how to grow that within an organization. I want to learn and want to be in that space. When it talk, when we talk about taking something from zero to one, you know, 2022 has taught me that without a doubt. So I'm just so looking I love, forward to the future. I love all that, man. I love all that. You know, I think for me, uh, 2022 has been, um, 2022 has been interesting and fun and very productive uh, financially and professionally. But I think as far as like a theme that I want to then cross over to a 2023 world would be probably a couple of things. And I've talked about this a lot, but I'll just rattle off a few. Um, and then maybe we can nestle into one of them and then we can wrap up here. Um you know, the head of people role, I think, needs to continue to try to actually be the role that it needs to be. I've talked about, you've heard me talk about this already, Michael, so many times, and it's still not changing. And I know it's not changing because I still spend some time looking at the JDs. I personally know tons of heads of people. The role is too tactical. The role is too, the role is frankly, even too operational. Like the role, in my personal opinion, and I could be crazy, I could be blind, I don't know. I just genuinely feel the head of people, right? The chief people officer, the CHRO needs to be the CEO of the people. Now, what do I mean by that? And Michael, you're a perfect example of that. Michael, this is no disrespect to you. This is just the truth. Last time I checked, you were never a wizard, any master in product, right? Like you didn't, you don't, you're not a, you're not a master at coding, are you? I can't code right? You can't code. Um, are you a master at graphic design? I'm pretty good at it. Are you a master at UI UX? I know when things look good. Right. Um, there are many parts of what built mindset to be successful that you were not a master, at, but you were great at recruiting. You were great at building a team. You're great at galvanizing people. You're great at trusting people blindly to a certain degree. Um, you were great at understanding what does look good. You were understanding, uh, uh, you, you were great at communicating what you needed. You were great at strategically knowing the initiative that needed to be built inside of the company and putting people in charge of doing that. That's exactly what a chief people officer should be doing. And I'm just not seeing enough of it. A chief people officer, in my personal opinion, 
ahead of people, in my personal opinion, needs to be someone that is a strategic thinker across all things people, and 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 frankly, doesn't need to have a pure expect uh, a pure um, a pure expertise in any of those given categories, right? Like like. I don't think they should over-index on DE&I. I I don't think they should over-index on uh, talent acquisition. I don't think they should over-index on on compliance or HR technology. I think if you need, if a chief people officer knows strategically that the company needs to start taking DE&I more seriously and big DE&I to the operational fabrics of the organization, the chief people officer should have the right should have the budget, should have the ability to go find the greatest chief DEI, you know, you know, chief DEI officer ahead of DEI and blindly trust that individual and know how to run a strategic, thoughtful interview, know how to blindly trust an individual with obviously some parameters in place and KPIs and OKRs, be able to understand and give them the bandwidth, the cash, the support to bring in any technologies that are going to help the DEI initiatives. That that head of people, that chief people officer should be green lighting pretty much anything that person says because they've been thoughtful about putting that person in the position of power. They've been thoughtful enough about building out the OKRs and the KPIs. But again, and 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 and, I, and I'm seeing this, and I'm and, and I'm seeing it even more over the last seven eight months because I'm talking to these people. There are too many chief people officers. There are too many jobs or organizations rather that are putting out JDs looking for them to be super, super expertise or super, super tactical or super, super even operational in a lot of these categories. I'm not seeing enough strategy in the JDs, the word strategy. I'm not seeing enough you know, need for strategic initiatives. I'm not seeing enough team building. I'm not seeing enough JDs that says, I need a chief people officer to be a great recruiter, a great galvanizer of people from the lens of building out a team to do all these things. Build out a team to do the LD. You don't have to do the LD. Build out a team to do the DEI. You don't have to do the DEI. Build out a team to roll out your internal comms, roll out your HR technology that you're going to utilize. You don't have to be an expert in all of these things. You have to know enough to be dangerous, be a great recruiter, be a great communicator, build, be a great person that sets expectations, and, and you're off to the races. Um, so that was one rant. The last rant that I probably will give heading into a 2023 world, and I'll get your thoughts on this, Michael, will probably be, um, will probably be companies being more thoughtful about, couple, couples, companies being more thoughtful about the, the psychology and the training and the, and the rubric that you follow when you're putting leaders in place. So when you're, you know, looking at how you promote leaders, looking at how you build and develop leaders will probably be a theme in 2023, because to your point, Michael, I think this recession lasts from a quarter, maybe two. And I think midway through 2023, companies are going to be hiring fast and at scale and you're going to need some damn good leaders in place to be able to take those new teams take those new people and thrive and not live in a world of chaos so um those are my thoughts what are your final thoughts michael on all of that and any other themes for uh for 2023 here i think like the most beautiful thing about it is like you know your employees who are kind of like the end users of your company they'll they'll just appreciate the fact that stuff's getting done 
Like um, everything you said from like, from being able to successfully bring in a people officer down to navigating what this market looks like and getting yourself out of, you know, some people call it wartime CEO, peacetime CEO, thriving in chaos, thriving in success. If I'm an employee at a company and I know um, my ideal work hours aligns with the company, I know the work I'm doing contributes to the organization. And I know there's a sense of community and culture here. I'm happy. Like yeah. it's that's and I'm getting paid um, how much I want, I, how much I, I believe I, I desire and I'm, I'm um, capable of. I'm happy. Uh, I think all too often that idea of who you're benefiting, um, as long as, again, you're not doing things solely to benefit yourself. Um, if you have a sense of like community and a sense of like morality, the people who you want to benefit and kind of grow within an organization will appreciate the fact that you're being vulnerable and translating your power into more power um, for other people. So again, because um, yeah, there's just too many CEOs, too many leaders who think that um, being CEO means running the annual training. There's too many CEOs that think um, being the best CEO means that they also have to be the CIO or also the head of HR. And so again, while companies, while going through such a uh, almost, I mean, it's been a traumatic uh, COVID, this process has been so transformative in the recession, um, how you're able to understand yourself, um, upskill your EQ, not just your IQ, will be so needed, so needed in this market. Um, and I'm glad I had that experience. I can look back on the year and said, I've done all of the things that are necessary towards building up a company. And as I look at product, how to grow product within an organization, I think I'm going to learn only just more while still leveraging an entrepreneurial community and a career rooted in doing good by my people. So here's to 2023. Here's to 2023. You know, 2022 was dope. It had a lot of cool moments, had a lot of sad moments, had a lot of confusing moments, had a lot of interesting moments. But I think, you know, it was fun. It went fast. Um, you got and I'm married. excited. What's that? You got married this year. Oh, dude, I got I got more than that. Hold on, I'm about to show you something here. One second. And I can keep this on. I can keep this on recording here. You ready for this? It better not. I mean, it is what I think it is. That's a picture. Oh my goodness. Let's announce it officially. Let's let's put it out to the world right now. What is this? Tell the people what you're looking at. Uh, I am looking at proof that there will be E1, B2 Jr. That we're talking about AJ Sr. <laughs> there is a new addition to the Fawn household. Congratulations wild, on being a father. Yeah, man. I just, uh, I don't want to jinx it too much. You know what I mean? Like, because, you know, anything can happen. There's a lot of complications that go through the process. It's still early in the game, but it is something to be wow. you know, happy about and, and get excited about. Um, that's crazy, isn't it? It is. Congrats, man. Thank you, brother. Thank Congrats. you. And, and I'm an old man too, you know. I'm you know, I'm 30, I'm 30, I'm 33, so it's about that time, dude. You know what I mean? <laughs> um I don't know. But, uh, Lil Dirk said this, get off the streets, you touch your 40. Get off. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. Stop. <laughs> That's that's some off. <laughs> you just reference little Dirk. I'm I'm gonna find a a, a little Dirk uh, 
I'm gonna find a little Dirk um song to <laughs> song to layer in the outro. <laughs> no, but um, but yeah, man. So you know, knock on wood, baby on the way. Excited about that, blessed about that, appreciative of that. Um, and uh, I think again, just to round it out. 2023 needs to really be about, you know, hold on. Here's one more thing too, that I've been really into more and more. Um, 2023 needs to be about, I think the companies that are going to win are the companies that have the most interesting people tech stack. Mm. That's actually a new little take that I've been on. Um, Obviously, my stint at MindStand, the work that I'm doing with All Miss, what I did with Benny, some other things that I'm doing with Beyond Brand, you know, the HR tech industry is really interesting in the internal comm sector, in the reducing bias during the interview process and hiring process sector, video interviewing, data collection, communications like, you know, MindStand was doing and auditing and reviewing and analyzing that, um, you know, assessments, you know, analyzing human capability and skill set, you know, the, the, the HR tech world is interesting. So see, that's a perfect example. Actually, let's round it out this way. That's a beautiful example. The CHRO should be thinking about stuff like that, right? The CHRO should be thinking about what type of HR tech stack are we going to be having that can keep us head of the market, head of the competition, you know, bring us in the best and most innovative and most diverse people inside of our companies? And how are we going to put the best technology in front of them to learn about them, to, to extract their skill sets, to, to, to put them in the best position, positions to win? Um, so 2023, if you're a company listening, get your HR tech stack ready. Um, a lot of other tech stacks have been very important for companies to have success. I think 2023 is going to be about the HR tech stack, the internal internal communications uh, uh, technology, the recruiting technology, the interviewing technology, the assessment technology, the, um, the the analyzing of communications to make sure things are inclusive, to make sure things are diverse, to make sure things are um, impactful, and the technology that can make those things happen. Technology, HR, important. <laughs> that's all i gotta say man that's that <laughs> all right brother i appreciate you um let people know where they can find you email linkedin i know you're out here looking for the next thing so let, let people know where they can find you yeah michael ogusanya o-g-u-n-s-a-n as in nancy y-a uh type it in on linkedin join my community join a large group of people who are looking at and interacting in the future of work um Find me on Twitter, find me on Instagram, succeed later. I'll have to change that soon to succeed now. Um, but I always believe in the idea of chopping water or chopping wood, carry water, um, continuing every day towards the path of innovation of greatness. And, you know, a lot will come to it. Pretty funny as well. Um, <laughs> if you want to have jokes, call. Uh, just feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Best way to stay in contact. Cool, brother. I appreciate you, bro. Likewise.